Today on the Authors on the Line podcast, we talk with Dr. Heath Lambert about his forthcoming book about the struggle against lust and pornography. The book is titled Finally Free, Fighting for Purity with the Power of Grace, which will be released by Zondervan on August 8th. From this exceptional book, I recently collected my favorite quotes and posted them together in a blog post, which you can find at DesiringGod.org, under the title, 20 Quotes from Finally Free. As you will hear, in addressing the problem of pornography, Lambert looks holistically at the spiritual life, putting the porn issue in the context of pride and other sins, and looks at the role of worship and victory over the sin. Lambert currently serves as the Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at Boys College, and he teaches at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary as well, both in Louisville. I caught up with him over the phone during a busy week this summer when he was teaching in Southern California. Finally Free is a book about the fight against pornography, and the seeds of pornography are as old as King David's view from his rooftop, as old as the command from Jesus not to look at others in lust, and as Russell Moore recently wrote, quote, every generation of Christians has faced the pornography question, whether it's Dionysian pagan art, or jazz age fan dancers, or with airbrushed centerfolds, end quote. But of course, the issue of pornography has grown in prominence in the church today, and perhaps like no previous generation. So I put Dr. Lambert on the line, and I began by asking him why. Why is pornography now so pervasive in the culture and so pervasive in the church? Well, you're right. It is a more acute problem these days, and that, quite frankly, is because of the Internet. I mean, a lot of social scientists have observed, whether they're believers or not, uh, that uh, the Internet is the crack cocaine of pornography because it is so available. Uh, It is uh, available in an anonymous way. So in the old days, you had to muster up the courage to go up to a counter at some seedy store and ask for it, and you had to have money to pay for it, and you had to be old enough to buy it. And now all you have to do is have uh, a private room or an iPhone, and it's available, and you can look at it, and it takes a long time, perhaps, for the consequences of all that nastiness to accrue in your life. And so it is um, it is more available because of the nature of, of Internet pornography. And in my experience, it is when, when I say it's available, it's really available. Uh, every church has people that are looking at this. And I talk to so many pastors who just naively say, oh, I don't think any of the men in my church are struggling with that. I don't think any of the young boys in my church are struggling with that. And they are wrong. And so there's, there's two urgent crises that the church is facing. One is the church needs to wake up that this is a problem that our men and our women are struggling with. And two, uh, the real incompetence that a lot of people have. I don't say that in a, in, a, in a nasty way, but I just say so many pastors are saying, how do we help? I don't know what to do. I've got a guy who's looking at pornography two hours a day. I don't know how to stop it. How do I help him? And so those are the two urgent crises that we're facing, and I think it traces back to the internet. Do, do we have any statistical sense of how pervasive digital porn is among Christians today? The, uh, the statistics are, and this is when Christians do this and when unbelievers do this, the, the statistics are that I see uh, are that 80% of men are in some kind of struggle. They, they look at it in various amounts and varying degrees, but they're in some kind of struggle. 10% of men are totally enslaved to it. They're looking at it all the time. They can't imagine what their life would be like if it weren't for pornography. And then another 10% don't even think about it. 
So what that means is that 90%, if the statistics are accurate, 90% of people are looking at and having some kind of struggle with pornography. Wow, that, that is alarming. Um, you know, one of the most striking points I took away from your book, I think, is your reluctance or your, really your refusal to isolate the sin of pornography. And at one point you write this, quote, only arrogant men look at pornography, end quote. Explain that. What's the connection between porn and pride? Well, that's interesting because I've been in in groups of people talking about this, and I've made the statement like the one I make in the book, and that statement has been controversial. I've had people very upset with me uh, over over that statement. But I think when you examine the Bible in James 3.16, it's a pretty obvious uh, reality. James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And so if viewing pornography is disorderly, and if it's a vile practice, then like every other one of those kinds of practices, it stems from jealousy and selfish ambition. And so um, at the root of pornography viewing is an arrogant heart that says, I will have whatever I want. And if I want pictures of naked women, I'm going to have it. And I don't care if God doesn't want it. And I don't care if my wife doesn't like it. And I don't care if I might lose my ministry over it. I'm going to look at it. And in the moment of temptation, in the moment of the sin, when you dive in, that is the statement that your heart is making. And it's very important to realize that because there are a lot of people talking about pornography out there. And, and if you misunderstand where it comes from, then you'll misunderstand the cure. And a lot of people think pornography comes from a lot of, a lot of wives and girlfriends think, uh, well, my boyfriend or my husband looks at pornography because I'm not pretty enough. And if you think that's why he's looking at pornography, then you'll change your makeup or you change your hair or you'll try to lose weight. Uh, there's a lot of people writing books out there that say the reason men look at pornography is because they're lonely and they have this tank that's empty and it needs to get filled up and they're trying to fill it up with pornography. And James 3.16 speaks into that and says, no, uh, the problem with pornography is not that men are married to women that aren't pretty enough. The problem with pornography is not that men are too lonely. Uh, the problem with pornography is that men are arrogant and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ to shatter their pride and cultivate humility in their hearts. One of the things that I think is very important for men to do to cultivate humility, the, the pornography destroying, plot, pride obliterating humility, one of the things that I'm doing is asking guys to consider other areas of sinfulness in their life. And that might not sound very profound, but here's what started happening in my ministry as I was trying to help these guys. I, I was noticing that guys would start to achieve victory in their life uh, over this issue of porn. They'd have a stretch of clean time, and they were getting very prideful, very arrogant. And, and initially, I wondered where this came from. And, and after a while, I started to figure out the logic, and it's this, that for guys who have a real problem with this, I mean, they're struggling every day. They're thinking about it. They're trying to look at it, or they're trying not to look at it. But this is just a constant and a pervasive struggle when they think about being a sinner and being a sinful person, what they think of is their porn problem. 
And so if you've got somebody who's thinking that way and you come alongside of them and you start to help them uh, overcome that difficulty by the grace of Jesus, then all of a sudden for a guy who equated my sinfulness with my porn and the porn starts to go away, well, now all of a sudden they're arrogant because they don't see other areas of sin. And this, this has all kinds of practical benefits as guys are trying to pursue Jesus in their fight against pornography. Because a, a lot of times, guys' prayer life is just, Lord, I hate the porn. Help me to get over the porn. Please, I don't want to be addicted to porn. Help me to get over it. And they lose sight of all these other areas where they need to grow in grace. And so I'm encouraging guys, don't just think about your sin of looking at pornography. Uh, ask the Lord to reveal other areas of sinfulness in your own heart and pursue dealing with those as well as dealing with porn. That'll not only help you be a, a holy man in areas outside of the sexual area, but it'll also cultivate the kind of humility that I'm talking about. Hmm. Another point in your book um, that you make is is the connection between the role of worship in defeating the sin. Uh, perhaps we can call this the expulsive power of a new affection, but Explain how does praise combat the sin of porn addiction? Well, it's turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So that is a time-tested hymn, which means uh, when it comes to the problem of pornography, that you can look at porn or you can look at Jesus, but you can't do the one and still do the other. You, you have to stop looking at one to look at the other. And so every single man or woman uh, that has ever looked at pornography was not doing it with their gaze focused squarely on Jesus Christ. And so uh, the, I mean, we're talking about pride. We could talk about other things in the book. But the most important thing, as I say in the book, is um, men who want to overcome the problem of pornography have to learn how to worship at the feet of Jesus and have to, by grace, learn how to be fascinated and captivated by the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and what he has done for sinners. That's beautifully said. Yes. And... Um... Maybe at this point, you know, it'd be nice for you to talk to a few specific categories of listeners. Um, for a married man who may be listening to this podcast, struggling with porn, um, what would you like to say to him? What things are at stake for him if he does not confront his porn addiction? Well, there's all, there's all kinds of consequences. Let me talk about a few. I mean, one is, as men, we are called in a loving and in a sacrificial and in a gracious way to lead our wives in holiness. And we simply cannot do that if we are cultivating uh, sinfulness in our own heart. Uh, I cannot lead my wife down a journey towards her own sanctification. I cannot lead my wife in a relationship of prayer. I can't lead my wife towards purity in her own heart, if every time she's not looking, I sneak into my office and shut the door and feast on porn for 40 minutes. Uh, so it, it absolutely neutralizes a man's ability to be a spiritual leader over his wife. That's, that's one area. Uh, a second area is uh, it will, it will uh, create men who are dissatisfied with their wives sexually. And so 
sex will become a chore, uh, sex will even become impossible. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, studies. I know all kinds of men who got found out in their porn addiction uh, because they weren't able to complete a sexual act with their wife because they just their wife, they weren't attracted to their wife anymore. They were attracted to the buffet of women uh, that they were seeing. Um, and so, so those are two uh, critical aspects. Another, another aspect, just a third, just to mention the third one, would be the fact that, that the sin of looking at pornography deadens a man's soul so that what he becomes alive to is pictures of women and not real women. And so a, a man's wife, when he's looking at porn, will come over time to notice increasingly that he is distracted, that he is not interested and uh, it's often those kinds of things, uh, rather than kind of stumbling on him in the in the home office when she thought he was down there working, but he was down there looking at porn. It's often those kinds of things, rather than that, uh, that creates the initial problem in marriages. And speak for a moment to parents who, like me, have a preteen in the house. I mean, what are some ways that we can disciple our children to prepare them to encounter a world where pornography is readily and freely available every moment, every day? What can parents do from, from this early age? The, the most important thing when I think about this issue is the issue that as men, we have to be pursuing our own purity before Jesus. I mean, before, before we say anything, before we do anything with our kids— we have got to be sure that the Lord who sees our heart, that when we bow before him, we are doing it as men who are tenaciously pursuing purity in our own lives. The number of men I know whose testimony is that they got introduced to pornography from their dad's stash is overwhelming. They found it in the dresser drawer in his bedroom. They found it on his internet history. I mean, the, I know so many men, and their their entrance into porn was their dad, even though he didn't necessarily mean to do that. And so, goodness, um, this, it's, this is true for children. What I said a moment ago is true for wives. If you're going to disciple a boy, if you're going to disciple a girl in purity, for God's sake, we have to be pure ourselves. And for our children's sake, we have to be pure ourselves. So, so purity um, in our own lives is crucial. It's also important to, uh, to keep an eye out. Uh, we don't let, in our home, we do not let our kids play at the home of other families that we don't know and whose parental priorities we don't know and respect. Uh, I also know a truckload of men uh, who got uh, exposed to pornography because their parents let them go play at the home of a family that were not as careful as they were being. Um, and it's just better to have your kid be bummed out for an afternoon than to be introduced to a problem that will haunt them for the rest of their life. Those two things. Uh, a third thing would be honestly something we talk about in our home all of the time is modesty. Uh, I mean, the reality is we're talking, when we talk about pornography, most people mean like hardcore, like moving pornography, but we live in a pornographic culture. It's everywhere. You drive down the freeway, the billboards are pornographic. You watch TV, the commercials are pornographic. It's not the hardcore variety, but it's the kind of stuff that will entice and tempt a young man away from purity. And so in our family, we talk about modesty all the time. Uh, we talk about how important it is to be modesty. We pray uh, that we would love modest women. We pray that for our daughter, uh, that our daughter would love modest role models, that she'd love to be modest. And so we just have a rule of thumb in our house that any time 
we see an immodest woman, we look away. We don't look at immodest women in our house, and we fight to be pure at that early stage so that we're not always talking about, oh, my goodness, hardcore porn. We don't want to get that. We want to draw the line much earlier than that. And speaking of early stages, in your experience, um, what's a very typical pattern of perversion for a man into pornography? What's a typical trajectory for a man who will eventually become addicted to porn? What does this trajectory look like? For the most part with pornography, the guys I'm aware of, you have to be introduced to it somehow. I mean, you're not born knowing that this thing called pornography exists. And so somehow there's some kind of introduction to it. That introduction could be relatively innocent. You're watching the news at home and there's a news story about pornography. And, you know, a couple of Google searches later, you're in all kinds of trouble. Um, That gets to something that actually is quite common. Most of the people that I know, it starts out with curiosity. Uh, It doesn't start out with addiction. It can't start out with addiction. It can't start out with enslavement. The introduction is the curiosity. I wonder what it looks like. Um, I have these desires that I'm feeling. I wonder what that looks like. I'd like to see it. Or somebody announces that some celebrity has made some inappropriate video and they say, Ooh, I want to see what she looks like. And so uh, it's it's an internet search, and and curiosity leads to fascination. Where I want to see that again, and boy, that's pretty easy. And I'd like to uh, see more of that, and more of that. And it's so available that I can do that. And and now all of a sudden I'm feeling guilty, and I got to cover my tracks. And so I'm lying to my parents, or I'm lying to my wife, or I'm lying to my youth pastor. And pretty soon that starts to get into this enslaving kind of thing, where um, where you you were curious and then you were fascinated and now you can't imagine not looking at it for Pete's sake. And now you're obsessing perhaps over uh, covering up your tracks. And then it's just a matter of time until you get found out. Of course, in the Lord's grace, many people get found out uh, before that. Uh, But that's, that's a common uh, trajectory. It can be different in different people, but that's relatively common. Well, we need to conclude our time with one final question. I I presume there are men and women listening to this podcast who know that they are addicted to porn. It's not a secret to them, although it may be a secret to everyone else in their lives, but they have not told anyone. To close out our time, I'd appreciate it if you could speak directly to these listeners. What would you say to them specifically? Well, in fact, you know, I would. I would speak to you directly if this is your problem. And, and I want you to know, if you're listening to this, that I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you every day. And I know something of the turmoil that you're going through. I know uh, something of what it feels like to love something that God hates, uh, to be passionate about something that will kill your soul. And I've prayed for you. And the... The thing I would want you to know is that there is hope for you. There is hope to change. Your life does not have to be the way it is right now. Uh, The guilt uh, that is real in your life, the guilt that you feel uh, can be dealt with, but you can't do it alone. And you need the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus to flood your heart and to fascinate you. And if you want to, if you want to, change via that gospel, uh, then I would ask you to do two things. First, I'd ask you to pray. And you just you could pray right now. And you ask the Lord for His grace 
to forgive you of your sin, and you believe that because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that he will forgive you for that sin. And then you pray and you ask Jesus for his power to obey. You ask him. You don't have the strength and you know it. And so you ask for help for someone who does. Jesus Christ is enthroned in glory and he has power to make you be different. And so you ask him to give you that. And after you've prayed that, then right now you need to pick up your cell phone Uh, You need to text a friend. You need to send an email. You need to make a phone call to your pastor or to somebody that can help you, and you need to say, here's the deal. Will you help me? And that might make you so scared to do that that you think you're going to throw up, and that's okay. You ask Jesus for power to do that, and if you trust in Jesus, he will give you power to do that. And you talk to somebody, and you tell them that you've got a problem that you can't fix on your own, and you ask them if they would walk with you and help you. There's many, many more things to do beyond that. That's why I wrote this book. But I'm praying for you right now to do those two things. That was Dr. Heath Lambert, author of the new book, Finally Free, Fighting for Purity with the Power of Grace, which will be released on August 8th from Zondervan. For more of a flavor of the book, I recently pulled my favorite quotes from it and posted those quotes into a blog post, which you can find at desiringgod.org, under the title, 20 Quotes from Finally Free. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Authors on the Line podcast. This free podcast is supported, produced, and distributed by Desiring God in Minneapolis. You can subscribe and find a full archive of episodes by searching for Authors on the Line in the iTunes store, or you can watch for new episodes online at desiringgod.org forward slash blog. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thank you for listening.